Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. It's week ten in the NFL, and we're going to talk about the most important thing that happened in every game once again this week, fellas. But first, I should bring you guys in, Matt. How's uh, how's week ten treating you, bud? Uh, I missed last week. Uh, you guys were so nice to me on the podcast. Uh, I'm just so happy to be back. Uh, you guys are wel- no welcome me with open help. arms, you know. So <laughs> yeah, I missed last week was actually the first week uh, in probably seven years that I have watched zero football except for the Packer game on, on Thursday night. So it's good to be back watching football recharged uh, from a quick vacation and, and ready to go for the second half of the season. Good. Glad you got a little vacay in. That's a little, that's tough for a lot of us, but, but you got to, it sounds like separate from all of humanity, the way it sounds. Huh? Yeah. Out the desert, John Bosch said it was a vision quest for me. There, there was no uh, illicit uh, uh, materials consumed. So there was not really a vision quest. I didn't find my, my uh, uh, secret animal, my vision animal or whatever it is. Uh, but uh, it was a, it was a good break. Okay. That seems like good. <laughs> A good topic for this this podcast. Ryan, how you doing, dude? It sounds like he might have been partaking tonight, the way he's putting, uh, putting <laughs> sentences together. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> uh, no, no, it was, it was another good week. Uh, scores were down, at least in my leagues. I don't know about you yeah. guys, but uh, some, some pretty ugly performances. Uh, not many of those uh, those huge fantasy games uh, that we we've been spoiled by the past few weeks. None of those, yes. none of those forty pointers. Really, so many disappointing outcomes outside of probably Elvin Kamara, who who carried put put a lot of fantasy managers on their back and carried them with the three touchdown game. The disappointments started on Thursday night. Really, AJ Brown was a disappointment. Had that really bad drop that. Uh, would have got people started on the right foot this week. And Derrick Henry, even though he went over 100 yards, it, it didn't seem like he was, he didn't get those opportunities at the goal line. That was a disappointment. Jonathan Ta- Taylor, most of his carries came on fourth and third and ones, so he only had 37 yards from scrimmage. The game Thursday night, Colts 34, Titans 17. Unless you were desperate and had to put Naheem Hines in your lineup, fellas, uh, especially you, Matt, the it didn't work out all that well. 
no, and I, I didn't. Uh, I did not put Naheem Hines in my lineup. I wish I would have. Uh, but I did want to talk about that indie backfield uh, and comparing Naheem Hines to Jonathan Taylor right now going forward. Uh, they do have uh, an okay playoff matchup. Uh, the Week 16 one in the Super Bowl is tough against Pittsburgh, but in Weeks 14, the Raiders. Weeks 15, the, the, the Houston Texans, who are both very good uh, uh, matchups for our running backs. So uh, right now in November ADP, Jonathan Taylor is the running back five. Naheem Hines is the running back 46. Six. Based on usage, you guys like if you have to check, click the check mark for one of those two guys going forward. Which one? Which one is it? Is it going to be? It's going to depend on the week. What what the situation is? How it starts off? It seems like every week we talk about that backfield, and it's somebody other than Taylor. But but Taylor gets the first crack at it, and it feels to me like if if he runs with it in the first quarter he might hold on to it throughout the game or or at least get a bigger chunk so I, I don't have any confidence in that coaching staff to really choose a guy and stick with it at least enough from week to week maybe inside of a game where in the first quarter you see what's happening and you, you identify that guy Hines was obviously that guy he stepped on the field on Thursday night and he was more explosive he made the big plays it was it was a no-brainer to keep him on the field and uh, but I don't know if that's going to translate to week eleven and beyond. Yeah, I just think we should still be buying Jonathan Taylor. It, it's to me, it's just he's too talented. He's shown too much um, to to give up on him this quickly. And uh, obviously, the price is down. I saw um, our buddy Curtis Patrick run a poll, I believe Friday after after that Thursday night game, pitting Taylor versus two second rounders. And Taylor won won that Twitter poll, but it it was not by a huge margin. Uh, that people were choosing two second round rookie picks over over the guy we we wanted to take one hundred one or one hundred two just a few months ago. That's in the supposedly a good situation. Uh, the offensive line to me has really been disappointing. I mean, Wilkins, well Hines is a different kind of back, but Wilson, or I'm sorry, Wilkins has not been all that impressive either. And this was, this was the team that was supposed to have one of the best offensive lines in the, in the game. And uh, it just hasn't, hadn't played out that way. I agree, but like, don't you also see those plays where it seems like the huge cutback lane is there, and and Taylor just isn't hitting him. He's running to the back of his offensive linemen. It just to me, it's concerning because that that vision quality, whatever you want to call it, the instinct for the position, maybe the game just hasn't slowed down enough for him yet, uh, for him to to see those things, and maybe that that will change in year two and beyond. Right now, it just it's, it's questionable, like some of the instincts that he's shown, especially in that game against Tennessee, which was a pretty soft run defense. So I guess I wanted to kind of nail down where you guys were at on him in terms of of value you mentioned the Curtis Patrick poll we've also got some trades from the trade finder just happened over the last couple of weeks or excuse me the last couple of days uh so like mixing for Jonathan Taylor in a second Taylor pretty easy there I assume I would still want Taylor there yeah Taylor and mid first obviously for, for you still want Taylor right maybe maybe if it's one of those top four picks in a super flex leagues and you can get one of those quarterbacks at that point you might make a move like that but in a in a one quarterback league would probably want JT over a mid first still Right. Uh, Chubb? How about Nick Chubb? That's in the ballpark. Yeah. If, you're, if you're really worried, I can certainly see taking Nick Chubb. I personally wouldn't for a lot of the reasons that Ryan mentioned there, but that's probably if you're doing some rankings and talking straight up running back for running back, that's probably in the ballpark, right? Yeah, I think I probably would take Nick Chubb at this point. And, and that's, that's not to say that Taylor will never figure it out or – um, or anything like that, but 
Chubb already has it figured out. Chubb is already the man on his team, even yeah. with Kareem Hunt there. So if you think like if you think Taylor's upside is Nick Chubb and and given their passing game roles that's it probably is like why why wait yeah good point for sure it feels like we talk about Taylor and the rest of these rookie running backs week in and week out and some some of these guys are going up and down but Taylor his arrow has been pushing down for a few weeks now and maybe even a couple of months, maybe that is the opportunity to buy or maybe these are warning signs on what to expect in the future. Time will tell, but but man, it just doesn't doesn't feel good clicking that box next to Jonathan Taylor's name to put him in your lineup right now, that's for sure. The other rookie in this game for the Colts that, that really the arrow is pointing the other direction. Michael Pittman had his breakout, seven catches for 101 yards, also had a 21-yard end-around carry. He was uh, he really looked good, Ryan. He looked like the the number one receiver in that offense, and T.Y. Hilton is working his way back, and maybe that was part of the reason why Pittman saw so many more snaps than Hilton, but he certainly looked the part of a up-and-coming number one wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. And, and Pittman, with, with his own injury, kind of got lost in this uh, in this rookie group with some of the other receivers breaking out early. he He's an awesome uh, trade target right now because, um, well, may, maybe not right now. I guess heading into this week, he was he was a great trade target. But I still feel like he's, he's being undervalued a little bit, and I think he's easily the top receiving target there in Indy. Yeah, certainly looks good uh, with what we saw on Thursday night. Let's get to the Sunday games, guys, and we're going to start with the Buccaneers and the Panthers. The Bucks took care of the Panthers, forty-six to twenty-three, behind Ronald Jones. Who it was weird. He fumbles, loses a fumble early in the game, and still gets some opportunities and takes advantage. Twenty-three carries, one hundred ninety-two yards, and a touchdown. Also caught six passes, which was uh, a little bit surprising. Carried some dynasty managers. Uh, on Sunday afternoon, he had a big game, including that long 98-yard touchdown run. Tom Brady also threw three touchdowns. Brate Evans and Gronk got in on those touchdown grabs. Chris Godwin was good, 6-for-92 on six targets. Mike Evans, 6-for-77 and a touchdown on 11 targets. And then Antonio Brown, Matt, he caught seven passes for 69 yards, was the underneath threat for most of this game, but had eight targets in the game and looked pretty good, looked even better than his first week back. Yeah, you know, he, he before this season, I guess including these two games, if we want to go that way, he, he's played a total of three games now with, with Tom Brady, right? So it's going to take a minute for him to, to get back, uh, uh, you know, to the normal workout routine. We know that he's a kind of a workout warrior, seven of eight targets today. And I think that's that role is just going to continue to grow. And this offense is becoming one that you just want pieces of. Maybe not necessarily the backfield, uh, even what Ronald, Ronald Jones did today, but of that passing attack I think we just want pieces of it and right now obviously AB is the cheapest one right uh, they have an amazing passing schedule coming up in weeks 14 to 16 in the fantasy playoffs Minnesota Atlanta and Detroit uh, all all teams susceptible susceptible to wide receiver production uh, so again in the trade finder just in the last couple of days very reasonable price mid-second 
Uh, I, I would, I think I would pay that. I, I was able to move, uh, to acquire him for two thirds a couple of weeks ago when he had first signed with the team. But you know, mid to late second seems reasonable for a piece of that. Uh, Hamler in a late second. That one's a little bit more questionable, especially with what Hamler did today. Um, I'm not sure about that one. How you guys feel about that? And then the last one, Nikhil Harry. I mean, if you're a contender and you have Harry sitting there on on your bench and you could get Antonio Brown for him for the stretch, and probably he's going to play at least one more season, I would guess, right? If he keeps his head on straight. So Harry is one I would definitely consider moving for him. Um, what do you guys think about those deals? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not the guy in the corner of Antonio Brown saying absolutely banging on the table, saying we gotta we gotta acquire him. And I'd do the the Nikhil Harry deal in a heartbeat. The Hamler one is the most interesting one, and we'll get to Hamler here in a few minutes. But um, I'm wondering if the price tag grew even from what he did on Sunday against the Panthers. Seven catches, 69 yards, had the eye of Tom Brady throughout the day. I'm not sure that even if it was one of those leagues, you're in a home league maybe, Antonio Brown gets picked up when the news kind of surfaced in a, a, a couple of weeks ago and got picked up by, by a team that maybe was out of it and now is looking to move him. Are you moving him for a mid to late second round pick? It's probably going to take more than that after these two weeks where he's looked pretty good, Matt. I mean, I think if I was a, a you know a bottom barrel team and I'm just playing the waiver wire uh, hardcore every single week, like pushing pushing that edge, then I think I would move him for a second round pick if I'm one of those bottom teams. I don't I don't really think you're getting a first. Maybe you can get a second and a third, a little bit more, but I don't think you're getting too much more than a mid second for him. Do you? I don't know. It it's probably going to take another big game for that price to, or or a truly big game, I should say, for that price to go up even higher. But that could happen as soon as next week. And then Brown's a guy you can just plug into your lineup right away. And if you're if you're sliding him him into the wide receiver three or a flex spot, you improve your team greatly. So it it kind of depends where every team is. It was it was nice to see him play. Ryan, you and I were watching the Buccaneers and the Saints play on Sunday night. And while we talked about Antonio Brown, I mentioned he looks kind of big. He d- he didn't look the same as maybe he had in the past. Today on Sunday, he in, in his second week back, he looked a lot slimmer. And I went back and looked at some pictures. I think he changed his shoulder pads. They're a little little, little tighter to his body. He looks like the old Antonio Brown. Maybe I'm getting on board. I don't know what it is. But Brown certainly had my attention, Ryan. He he looked good to me. He was getting open, especially on those short to intermediate routes. Yeah, I thought he looked good. Really, the entire team looked good today. I mean, they put up, what, 46 points. So we knew after after what happened in week nine, it, it was going to be this type of game for for Brady and the boys. And uh, I'm totally on board with buy, buying Antonio Brown. I agree of the of the three receivers. Obviously, he is the cheapest. But I do think with, with those three wideouts, plus Gronk, plus Fournette as, as the normal pass catching back, there's there's going to be dud weeks, um, so I I might be waiting for one of those. Uh, I know some some leagues are uh, getting close to trade deadline time, but uh, if if you can wait, it's probably probably a good idea to wait on buying any of the bucks because uh, there there's going to be those games where uh, it, at least one of them is is quiet just due to the volume. You're not spending more than a mid to late second though, right? Oh no 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 no. 
Yeah, that's that's the high end at this point. On the other side of things, Teddy Bridgewater came out with an injury late, but the early news on that one, guys, was that he probably sidestepped a serious injury. Hopefully that's the case for Teddy Two Gloves. 136 yards and two passing touchdowns to go along with another rushing score. So came through for Dynasty managers there. On the other, oh, Mike Davis, not so much. Seven carries, 32 yards, just four catches for 12 Oh, man, I hope CMC's back again next week. And DJ Moore was a surprise, uh, surprise, nice outing from him, I guess. Four catches, 96, and a score on seven targets for DJ Moore. Let's talk about Houston and Cleveland. This was an ugly one, guys, and not just because of the weather. I'm sure you saw some of the Twitter pictures and videos from before the game where it looked like it was about 7 o'clock at night in Cleveland. The weather was kind of out of control for the Browns and the Texans. They kicked it off a little bit late, and the offenses for both teams didn't look much better than that weather. Browns 10, Texans 3. Nick Chubb came through 19 for 126 and a score. Kareem Hunt was was very Kareem Hunt in this one. 19 carries, 104 yards, and also caught three passes for 28. Everybody else, though, Ryan, seemed pretty disappointing. Yeah, they really did. And you can uh, you can kind of explain that away with that type of weather. We saw it uh, last week and, and then this week again with uh, just just the the heavy the high winds and the uh, the storms and things. So it fit perfectly into what Cleveland wants to do anyway. They want to run the ball. We see both Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt with over 100 yards. And I think with with Nick Chubb back and, and cer- certainly looking fully healthy, I think it's a great time to try to buy Kareem Hunt. There there could be a little bit of a discount if there's concern about him taking a backseat to, uh, to Chubb. So I would be checking the price on Kareem Hunt and then uh, – Brandon Cooks and, and Will Fuller, same thing. We we can't expect, can't really expect any type of uh, impressive passing game numbers with these conditions. So probably probably nobody too worried about those two guys specifically. But uh, I think they're they're pretty cheap options that can be weekly starters for you down the stretch. Yeah, they've been pretty consistent options in that Houston. Uh, receiving core Ryan and just like you said they couldn't do it in that in, in those wins uh, Deshaun Watson had a lot of trouble getting the ball out accurately and the, the numbers were severely down for the entire game for, really on both sides of things Deshaun Watson just 163 passing yards did have the passing touchdown uh, I'm wondering Ryan what's the what are we trying to buy Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks for if we're we're trying to add them to our rosters late this season? I think Cooks makes more sense as as the target probably because of the price difference. Uh, I don't think you're getting Fuller for less than a future first, uh, which I would if I'm if I'm moving my future first, I'm I'm not spending it on Will Fuller. I'm I'm looking elsewhere. Um, Cooks, I, I think it's is probably a guy you can get for a second and third if you find the right team. Uh, or or a second and a prospect, so that's that's kind of where I would be with him. Yeah, and Cook still is tarnished just a little right. bit by all those injury concerns. There's a lot of people that wonder how well he fits in in that offense still, even with the with the positive uh, stat lines week in and week out from Brandon Cooks. So it makes sense that he'd be the cheaper player and probably be way more attainable uh, as we move closer to these trade deadlines. Uh, the 
Detroit Lions won a barn burner. They beat Washington 30-27. to DeAndre Swift was the story here, guys. 16 carries, 81 yards, 5 catches for 68, and a score on 5 targets. Matthew Stafford threw 3 touchdowns, but, man, it was all about DeAndre Swift. There was kind of some leaks coming into the game that maybe Swift was going to take over the lion's share of this backfield, and that happened. He had 73% of the snaps in that backfield. on Johnson just 15% in AP coming in third at 12%. It seems to me, Matt, that DeAndre Swift is a running back one for the rest of the season. He certainly looked like one. I know Washington, a lot of us as fantasy players, look at that Washington defense and expect it to be a negative, but they've been a strong defense throughout the season, and to put up numbers like that, like he did in on Sunday in that game, that's that's a positive looking forward at what he could be for the rest of 2020 and beyond. Yeah, he he looks better than any of the rookie running backs right now, right? I mean, these guys keep leapfrogging each other. We were talking a little bit before we started recording, and he's got to be one or two, depending on how you feel about uh, James Robinson and, and I guess it's still J.K. Dobbins for me. Um, but he, he's definitely up there. Now he's got the, like you said, he's got that, the snap share, 73% of the snaps today. And uh, it seems like Patricia's finally maybe ready to commit to one running back. Um, he, he hasn't really, he, he, it seems like he's wanted to do that, but just hasn't had that guy um, with, with Carryon Johnson and his, and his struggles. And then uh, we thought it was going to be Swift and they decided they wanted to give Adrian Peterson a run, right? Um, but it seems like now he's shown that he's the guy and we just need him to not go down that carry-on health path. Uh, and I, I think we have a valuable back going forward, maybe the most valuable of all of the rookie running backs. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. You mentioned that coaching staff and their use of DeAndre Swift. They did this a few weeks ago where all of a sudden Swift got coming off the bye, got 65% of the snaps and was worked in a little bit more in that backfield. And then the week after, he he took a back seat once again. One gear. Gosh, it was... It was disappointing. We'll see if they finally learn their lesson with this. That coaching staff, it might be on their last leg. they got to pull out all the stops, and it that probably starts with DeAndre Swift if they want to save their jobs and, and go on a winning streak to try, to try to make some noise here in the NFC North as the season progresses. On the other side of the football, Alex Smith, 390 passing yards, didn't put the ball in trouble, but checked down a lot. J.D. McKissick, eight carries for six yards and a touchdown, but caught seven of 15 targets for 43 yards. Antonio Gibson, he was involved again, especially on the goal line, 13 carries, 45 yards and two scores, also caught four passes, so he came through for all of us that needed him. But it's Terry McLaurin, seven catches, 95 yards, really the only option, Matt, in that receiving core in Washington. And, man, he's so good. He is, and I just feel like we that he doesn't really get talked about enough. And somehow he's still, I think, a little bit undervalued. Wide receiver uh, 15 in our consensus rakes, wide receiver 11 in, in November ADP. So uh, our drafters are valuing him a little bit higher. I have him at wide receiver 11 in my last rankings update. Um, and, you know, I, I see him as that wide receiver one. He's... It, I guess you can't really say he's QB proof right now this early in his career, but he's doing it with all of these quarterbacks that we would not consider, you know, starters for most, most NFL teams. So uh, I, I, if, if I can buy him anywhere, I, I want to, uh, just, again, in the trade finder for the last, uh, over the last few days, Evan Ingram, a late first and a third, late third round pick. I, I want Terry McLaurin, you guys, I don't know about you. Oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> How about Brand? This one's a little bit more interesting. Brandon Ayuk and two mid- middle seconds. 
No, I think that's an accept as well. I, th- I think I want that's McLaurin an upgrade still. for sure. And Ayuk yeah. has looked good, but I can see taking the McLaurin side of that. And then one one last one I have for you. How about Jerry Judy straight up? Man, that one's that, tough. It seems like you you want McLaurin. You know, McLaurin, yeah. kind of to to Ryan's point earlier. First of all, McLaurin's only twenty five himself. Uh, he we've he's already proven that he can do it. Uh, well, well, we're excited about Judy's upside, and he's shown some flashes. Man, McLaurin, he's so good. He can get open. He's a really good route runner. He is. I think I want McLaurin in all those cases. I mean, Matt, you you hesitated on calling McLaurin quarterback proof. Last year for Washington, Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, Colt McCoy. <laughs> this year for Washington, uh, Haskins again, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith. And I, I think he might be quarterback proof. It we, has to get better, right? It has we to. talk a lot about Allen Robinson. We want to see Allen Robinson with a good quarterback. And, of course, it's been a few years now that, that he's he struggled through that, just, just the second year for McLaurin. But he's been so good with these quarterbacks. So – uh, I don't know if they're going to be in a position to to get a guy like uh, like Justin Fields or someone. Pro- probably not, but I-, I hope they figure out the quarterback position because it would be uh, really exciting to see him with uh, even not even one of the best in the league, but just an above average quarterback. Guys, before we get to the Jaguars and the Packers, we should talk to talk about our friends over at monkeyknifefight.com. They are the fastest growing daily fantasy sports on site on the planet, and Monkey Knife Fight is giving you free money and free dynasty football content with an initial deposit. I play over at Monkey Knife Fight every single week and I tell you what, JD McKissick, I had him on the on over four and a half catches today. That worked out pretty good. Uh, I had McKissick catching more passes than Marvin Hall in that game. That worked out pretty good as well. Those games are so easy to play. Uh, make a couple selections. You can triple your money, quadruple your money, and even more just by making some good selections. And and you know what's so much fun over at Monkey Knife Fight is they provide these DFS games without the salary caps that you see on traditional DFS sites. So if you can correct correctly predict that outcome. You can come up with J.D. McKissick for getting those 15 targets, which seemed like a guarantee with Alex Smith under center. There's nothing that's going to stop you from winning. You're guaranteed to win. There aren't sharks, no professionals that are going to prevent you from claiming a prize. So check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience and claim your deposit match uh, and your free DynastyLeague.Football.com premium membership. Uh, and that goes for even even current users over at DLF, you can add a year to your DLF subscription just by heading over to monkeyknifefight.com and starting your account today. How about the Jaguars and the Packers? Matt, it was kind of an ugly game, to be honest with you. The Packers were two touchdown favorites. They were supposed to just take care of the Jaguars, but the wind was ripping. Aaron Rodgers had some trouble, especially in the first quarter, hitting open receivers. Packers came out on top 24-20. to Rodgers had his 325 and two touchdowns. Devontae Adams came through, caught eight and a touchdown. Marquez Valdez-Scantling once again, four catches for 149 and a score. Let's see if we can sell him. I doubt we can. Uh <laughs> Aaron Jones, kind of disappointing, 13 for 46, five catches for 49. I don't know, Matt. This Packers offense, there's a lot of weapons. There's or there's a few weapons, but it seems like every week one of them disappoint. This week it happened to be Aaron Jones. 
Yeah, and I I was expecting a big game from Aaron Jones this week. Uh, the Jaguars were giving up the fourth most schedule adjusted fantasy points to the running back position, and he just he just couldn't get it done uh, to get it done today. Uh, um, I don't know what it was. I, it felt like a trap game from the beginning for me. A, a 14 point spread. There was no way I was ever going to bet that. Um, so uh, it, this this team is so weird. They, it feels like they can just turn it on whenever they want, and then they just choose not to against these, these weaker competition like the Jaguars. Uh, it would have been nice to have a big Aaron Jones today game today but it didn't happen we got a floor game basically from Devonte adams right we're we're disappointed because we didn't get the 150 150 yards and two touchdown 10 catch game but we got 66 yards and a touchdown so uh, we have to be happy that yeah, we those that didn't didn't have the opportunity to watch the game though adams had a touchdown taken away yeah, wiped absolutely. off the board would have been a big play he'd have gone for like nine for about a hundred and two touchdowns and and it wouldn't have been a floor game it would have been one of those uh, league winning type of games if that one counted we mentioned Jones, Matt, or excuse me, Ryan, his stat line. Jamal Williams, he's sneaking in there. Eight carries for 30 yards. He looked like the better running back uh, running the football until late in the game when Jones popped off about a 20-yard run. Williams also caught three passes for 25 yards. It seems like this uh, Packers coaching staff wants to mix in Jamal Williams. Should we be worried about this this tandem at running back in Green Bay, Ryan? I would be because it's it's what we've seen the past couple of years. And I feel safe in saying Jones is the more talented back. He, he certainly has the higher upside. We've seen it uh, plenty of times this year. We saw it a lot last year. Yet this coaching staff, and, and honestly even the coaching staff before this one, continue to return to this, this shared backfield. And um, whether they – they just want to make sure everybody's healthy and uh, for the the stretch run, or or if they just uh, like the situations and and want to get Williams on the field as well. I don't really know, but uh, if you're counting on Jones, it can certainly be frustrating. It is frustrating. He seems like in last year he came through in this department. He seems a little touchdown dependent because he's probably only going to get the 18, and and I say only as if that should be a disappointed appointment with any running back, but 18 touches, 18 opportunities for a guy like that that's so dynamic. If that was 22, 24, 25 opportunities – He could have those dynamic games like Alvin Kamara and some of these other uh, pass-catching, game-breaking running backs. Jamal Williams is a thorn in his side for sure. One other thing to be concerned with with Aaron Jones, and you mentioned health there, Ryan, he is looking for contact more than he ever has, really. He's lowering his shoulder, taking big hits, and I just – he's a small guy. I I get a little bit concerned. Is he going to last – I know a lot of dynasty managers know this already and and fantasy managers in general, for sure. But Jamal Williams is one of the premier handcuffs, uh, one of those backups that you want on your roster, for sure. Because if Jones goes down because of, of one of these injuries that have cropped up, Jamal Williams could be huge down the stretch. We should talk about the running back on the other sideline as well, guys, because James Robinson once again came through 23 carries, 109 yards, also caught two passes, in the game, didn't get into the end zone, which would have put him over the top, made him an RB1 on the week. But he's got, once again, 100% of the carries, guys. And he's the only show in town in that Jacksonville backfield. Of course, Jake Luton, Luton is is manning the quarterback position right now. But even with the question marks at quarterback and, and that the, really no... 
I don't think Luton really scares any of these defensive coordinators. You can stack the box and James Robinson, he's going to get all these touches and all these carries. He'll get all the work down at the goal line. He's the man in that, in that offense. I'm wondering long-term, Ryan, you got your finger on the pulse of dynasty managers everywhere. What's his value? Where does he rank when it comes to running backs in the long term? And, and if you're trying to acquire a running back with a big workload, what's it going to cost you to get a guy like James Robinson? I think the price is going up every week because the as he continues to perform, uh, dynasty players are, are gaining confidence in him, not only over the short term that he can help those playoff contenders, but that he's going to keep this job going into 2021. And, and honestly, it's, it's just difficult and, and almost impossible to project beyond that. But uh, I, I think we talked about it here last week. I believe that this is an undrafted free agent with the, the cheapest option you can get for, for a, uh, for an NFL team. Why would they use the draft pick to replace him? They're, they're not going to. Uh, so I, I think he's, like I said, I think he's safe not only for the rest of the season, but for next year as well. And, and Dan, what you said is really maybe the most impressive thing about him that on a team that's uh, now one and eight, where you think you don't want any part of that running game, no matter who the, who the back is, he continues to put up numbers. Yeah, you absolutely want him. And the, and the price tag just keeps going in, going up, Matt. I'll bring you into the conversation as well. The cost, it seemed like right away early in the season with without a preseason and, and with limited information coming to dynasty players everywhere, we didn't know a lot about James Robinson. So when he had the breakout early in the season after Fournette, was released, we said, yeah, we need to sell him even if you got to take a second. Then he kept going, and, and it was, well, I'd sell him, but it would probably take a late first. Seems like the price is higher than that now, Matt. Yeah, I think it's in, in that mid-first range. In fact, I was just just as you were talking, pulling up some uh, some trades from the, from the last week. Allen Robinson for him, uh, a first, Ooh. and Zach Ertz for him. Uh, you know, one, one for just one first several times. I'm not sure exactly where those fall, but yeah, his, his price tag is, is a minimum of a first right now. Ooh, I just found scroll down a little bit more Kenny Galladay. So yeah, that price is, uh, that price is, is definitely going up to me. He feels a little bit, I guess, I guess more valuable, uh, even right from the get Right. But to me, he feels a little bit like a Chris Carson player where I thought he was going to be this undrafted guy that's going to be productive, but the dynasty community was not ever really going to value him appropriately. But just looking at these trades over the last week, it looks like maybe, Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe we, maybe the community's gotten a little bit smarter about, you know, draft capital certainly matters. But once a player is in the NFL and he's earned a role and he's he's proven that he can uh, uh, play at a high level, doesn't the draft capital matters a little bit less? Maybe it still matters in terms of, uh, you know, his leash, leash is a little bit shorter, you know, uh, something like that. But in terms of his his station on the team right now, like Ryan said, with no one wanting to spend on running backs from from, uh, from an NFL team perspective, like I don't I don't know why you would 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 go away from him at this point yeah Matt I think Carson is is the perfect name to bring up there uh, his value still hasn't caught up to what his production is um, so I'm uh, I'm with you I'm glad to see that uh, maybe James Robinson is is not going down that path that he is being valued correctly are we willing to give that mid first for him if we're trying to make the playoffs? Maybe we're getting Nick Chubb back, and we're getting we're getting a couple of these guys that have been on IR back. We're in the middle of the pack. We think we're real contenders, and we need that flex guy to put us over the top. Are you giving that mid first to, to mid to late first to acquire James Robinson right now, Ryan? 
Uh, I, I'm probably not. That's not the way I play. I'd rather uh, I'd rather spend on on guys like JD McKissick that are going to be much cheaper. Uh, are you going to sell him for that? I would not sell him for a first. No, and and that's for for me the way I play, the way I build teams. That's probably the more important question, the more telling question. Right. Matt, how about you? I would sell for a first. Yeah, I don't know if I would buy either. I've 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 been burned by a lot of <laughs> undrafted free agent backs in the past, and it's probably a little bit of of that kind of bias. Whether it's uh, Thomas Rawls, who I, I quite liked, uh, <laughs> um, Steve Slayton, the the list goes on and on. So I, I I'm I'm probably not the right person to ask this question, but I probably would. Ab- I mean, I would absolutely sell from a middle first, and I I, I don't think that I would buy for it. I, I think two seconds would be my my uh, max price there. I think the first is the appropriate price, and like I said, I just I just wouldn't pay that on my teams. Right. Yeah. Me. Me neither. It's a clean sweep, no doubt. The Giants they took care of the Eagles, twenty-seven to seventeen, behind Wayne Gallman, who had two rushing touchdowns in the game. Uh, really, though, it it was kind of a weird game. The Giants scored twenty-seven points. Darius Slayton caught five passes. Sterling Shepard caught six. Outside of that, that you know, it was it was it was just odd. Daniel Jones had the rushing touchdown. Nobody really came through big time unless you plugged Wayne Gallman in there and got those short yardage rushing touchdowns. The the uh, conversation here probably falls on the Philadelphia side, though Ryan, because there while there weren't many big games there either. Miles Sanders had 15 carries for 85 yards, but did not find the end zone. Instead, Boston Scott had the long touchdown. Corey Clement got one carry in the game, a five-yard touchdown run. Dallas Goddard, just four for 33. Travis Fulgham, one for eight. And then Jalen Rager, four for 47 in the game. Uh, There's some opportunity, perhaps, to buy some of these Philadelphia Eagles, Ryan. That that's my first thought is uh, is to buy these guys, and I don't think Rager's cheap. Sanders is certainly not cheap, but Goddard disappointing, Fulgham disappointing. This this was the game that I know fantasy players and and Eagles fans certainly were looking forward to as uh, they they finally had. I, I won't say everyone; they're still still missing Zach Ertz and and Deshaun Jackson, but uh, but Goddard, Rager, Sanders. Um, Alshon Jeffrey and, and a couple of the offensive linemen all back for this game. And it was just such a disappointment to, to lose to the, uh, to the giants and to really just not get anything going offensively. So like I said, that was my first thought to, to try to buy and, and take advantage of any of that frustration. But at the same time, if, if they're not going to produce in this setting, I don't know. I don't. What do you, What do you guys think about about this Eagles team? Well, I love the call of trying to buy these guys because I I think it comes down to the surrounding parts and not not those injuries and those guys that you talked about. It's really that offensive line. They're horrible. They they can't protect Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is holding the ball too long. He's taking too many hits and he's putting the ball in harm's way. And I'm still a believer in Wentz. I think he can be that guy that he was in the Super Bowl year when they when he probably would have been the MVP of the league it's just that he doesn't have the protection and the support from everybody ar- around him they have the skill players in place all those guys we mentioned Sanders and Goddard and Fulgham and Rager and uh, even Ertz and and others I'm sure I'm sure I'm missing somebody but if if uh, Wentz is going to be constantly under pressure like this. It's hard to deliver the ball on time and get it to these these options. 
we'll see how it plays out. I like the idea of buying them. I just, I just think that that coaching staff and that front office needs to do a better job of protecting their franchise quarterback. That's why I think the buy here, even though he is expensive, is 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 Miles Sanders. You know, we saw him come back sure. from injury, to, or excuse from the injury and from the buy this week. Uh, it's, Scott did have that long touchdown, of course, but Sanders dominated the carries, fifteen carries to Scott's three, dominated the targets, five targets to Scott's one, uh, and they get Dallas in Week 16. You guys, uh, <laughs> Dallas seems secure all woes unless you're the Steelers uh, so far this year, right? So you know maybe that's going to change, uh, but right now that looks like a pretty good Super Bowl matchup for this team. Again, going back in the DLF trade finder. Um, These first two trades, I think, are are really interesting uh, because they involve Derrick Henry, who I think all three of us are lower than Sanders on, but I would... I, I think I might think that the, the community at large wants Henry. And, and the, the interesting thing about the, these moves is that we have Sanders above Henry, but Henry's matchup uh, in the playoffs, <laughs> Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay, all top five matchups in terms of points allowed to running backs. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, we, the first trade here is Derrick Henry for Miles Sanders and Jacoby Myers. I, I, I want Sanders, I think, just because I want Sanders more than Henry. Next one, sure. Henry for Sanders and Fuller. We just talked about buying Fuller, so I oh, like that side again. Um, and then the last one here, Montgomery, David Montgomery, a first and two seconds. Like I, I'm happy to get out of Montgomery, even if I, I don't want to send that first, but I'm happy to do that to get Miles Sanders uh, on my team. Ryan, you were talking about trading first-round picks and how you don't like to do it, but Miles Sanders is the kind of guy that you do trade first-round picks for, uh, trying to get that elite talent. I think Miles Sanders qualifies as such a player. Your thoughts on on trying to acquire Miles Sanders and if you're a buyer? Yeah, I, I love Miles Sanders. He, I, I think I have him at, at uh, RB4, RB5 right now, so definitely all in on Sanders. I would certainly be buying and, uh, I don't think I, I don't think you can get him for, for that random first rounder, but, uh, maybe I need to check on that. I like the idea. Yeah. Well, (laughs) Matt did say a first in a couple of seconds plus a player. Uh, so it's, you're going to have to stack some stuff together to get Miles Sanders. What's nice about him though, is he's the workload guy, 15 carries on Sunday. Boston Scott had three Corey Clement had just one. So 75, 80% of the carries go through Miles Sanders. He's also the preferred passing down tailback as well. Just caught two passes, on, but had five targets on Sunday. So they're trying to get him involved in the screen game. They're trying to get him involved in those on those swing passes, get him in space. He's... He's a weak winning type player, and I like I like trying to add Sanders to my teams. But you're right; he's expensive. You're going to have to pay up to get him. Matt, you also thought there was a buy on the other side of the field. I did. Sterling Shepard, since returning from injury in Week Seven, he's had uh, his target look goes eight, ten, eight, and just six today. He did catch all six, so a little bit down today. But you know, he's getting the targets there. He's absolutely cheap uh, in the trade finder. Uh, Coleman and uh, Tevin Coleman and, and Gerald Everett. Yes, please. A fourth rounder, a second. Uh, James Washington in a fifth. All of these, I think, are, are reasonable for Sheffrey. He has a really nice upcoming schedule, all plus matchups except for Week 16 when they do travel to Baltimore. Uh, but other than that, the rest of the way, uh, very nice schedule for Shepard. And, and I think he's the – I think he, as, as much as there is a wide receiver one on that team, I, I think it's him even, even with Slayton rebounding a little bit today. Yeah, I really like the Shepard call. Uh, Matt, you mentioned his his uh, targets since he's come back. Since week seven, he is the wide receiver 19. So not uh, you know not going crazy and, and getting everyone's attention, but certainly 
a reliable wide receiver too. And, and as you mentioned, his price hasn't really, uh, hasn't really gone up all that much. So I think you can definitely get him for a second rounder. We should move on to the Cardinals and the Bills. It was a barn burner and a fun one to watch at the end as DeAndre Hopkins comes down with a triple-covered Hail Mary jump out of the building and catch the ball over everybody's heads. Uh, Cardinals win 32-30. to Hopkins, seven catches for 127 in that score. Kyler Murray came through. Two rushing scores, 245 through the air, and another passing touchdown. Kenyon Drake, 16 for 100 on the ground. I don't know if everybody expected that in his first game back. Also caught a pass, but lost a fumble. Ryan, what do you think about Drake's return? I definitely did not expect that um, and and was pretty impressed. I I know I've had multiple conversations uh, just over the past two or three weeks about Kenyon Drake's value. Obviously, it was way down, uh, maybe even almost almost gone heading into this game. Uh, So to, to come back with 100 rushing yards and uh, and taking command of that uh, of that backfield, certainly a good performance. If I've got him on my roster, I'm using this as a chance to sell him, and I would I would take a second rounder for him. Yeah, the problem is you're not going to get more than that second round pick. He seems like the type of guy, Ryan, that I'd be trying to get another player, get a player rather than a draft pick, yeah. because Kenyon Drake is the kind of guy that put on a ro- another roster, a guy who's trying to make the playoffs or a team that's trying to make the playoffs. They might see him as quite the valuable piece and be willing to trade somebody, a young player off the bench for Kenyon Drake to put into their starting lineup. It seems like I'd rather probably have the player with a little more upside rather than the second round pick. But if you got to take the two, you got to take the two. On the other side of things, Josh Allen for 284 yards and two touchdowns through the air. Another receiving touchdown early in that game, but through two picks. Stephon Diggs doing Stephon Diggs things. 10 catches, 93, and a score. Cole Beasley, a PPR machine, 11 catches for 109, and he got in the end zone as well. And John Brown injured again. He was on track. He was he was playing well. Six catches for 72. Came down awkwardly on his knee. Uh, looked Did not look great. We'll see how that plays out throughout the week. The Denver Broncos, man, they got their butts kicked. The Raiders took care of them 37 to 12. Josh Jacobs, 21 carries, 112 yards and two touchdowns. Also caught four passes for 24 yards. Devonta Booker, 16 carries, 81 yards and two rushing touchdowns of his own. So man, it, that rushing game for Las Vegas, Matt, it sure looked good. Yeah, we've been uh, wanting this type of game from out, out of uh, out of Josh Jacobs since basically week one against Carolina, right? He's been you know he's been fine, but he has not been exciting. He hasn't really been someone who's carried our fantasy teams all season except for that first week. Uh, and so now, like I I wonder, you know, he was, as I said, a little bit disappointing. Now he's got this big game. So where do you guys want to put him in, in terms of the twenty twenty rookies? Uh, previous previous to this week, I would say he was probably below at least a couple of them. What do you feel now? Uh, he'd probably still be below a couple of them for me. I, I still have some doubts uh, about him and um, and the upside, I guess. Yeah, what's nice about Josh Jacobs, or actually what's maddening about Josh <laughs> Jacobs, is that he's totally game script dependent. They really have to be ahead for him to have these games. What's nice, though, is that he does sprinkle in a few catches here and there. He caught four passes on Sunday, even though they were way ahead. So he was on the field and then kind of just took the second half or a lot of the second half off as Booker got on the field and got his 16 carries and scored a couple times. 
I, I would definitely prefer um, at least two of these rookies and probably three, but I can see why Josh Jacobs' managers and, and, and those that have a lot invested into Jacobs are very high on him and, and see that upside because it certainly exists. I'm just not convinced that we're going to see it consistently. Hey, if you've been looking for a new challenge, it's time to start playing over at DynastyOwner.com. Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of running a front office. And it's the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries. By adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise, Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for diehard fantasy football fanatics. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash DLF for more information on this unique, thrilling fantasy football experience. If you're looking for that new challenge, Dynasty Owner gives you just that. They favor skilled players who can manage their roster using real NFL salaries within a salary cap. It adds an entirely new level of strategy. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash DLF. Validate your fantasy football skills today. That's DynastyOwner.com slash DLF. Dynasty Owner, start your dynasty today. The Dolphins hope they are starting a dynasty with Tua Tungvaloa. They win 29-21 to over the Chargers on Sunday. Tua... He had two passing touchdowns. Didn't get the running game going like he did against the Cardinals a week ago, though, Ryan. Yeah, and, and another good game for Tua. He's he's 3-0 and now as the Miami starter, but hasn't really had that, that ceiling game. So I, I, we, I know we kind of got in trouble for uh, jumping to conclusions after that first week where he didn't even crack 100 passing yards and, and uh, was outside of the top 25 quarterbacks. But... But now he's got a quarterback 28 game, quarterback 16. He's quarterback 12 going into the uh, the last couple of games of the week. So assuming he's not going to have that that QB1, that top 12 game again this week. And I, I just kind of wonder if, if this is what we're going to get from from two of the rest of this season, at least. And with, with Preston Williams down, with a, kind of a, a frustrating and banged up running game, it, it's probably the reality. It probably is. Tua had the nice game a week ago against the Cardinals. He had to lead them back, and they won that game 34-31. to 31. He had 248 passing yards and two touchdowns through the air. Also had the 35 rushing yards, which added to his week and gave him that top 16 week, quarterback 16 week that you mentioned there. And it really, watching that game, felt like he was playing his best. He was really uh, in command of that offense. He was making plays with his legs. Still finished as the QB 16 on the week. And while that's not his ultimate long-term upside, and I think that's the point you're trying to make there, Ryan, as far as the rest of 2020 is concerned, it's it doesn't look like Tua is is a startable option in one quarterback leagues, and even in two quarterback and super flex leagues, it's he's probably questionable week to week. Needs the good matchup. This one certainly wasn't a great matchup, but but there was an opportunity to to play against a bottom half defense against the pass and and make his mark. While he did get to that 3-0 and that you mentioned, 169 yards and two passing touchdowns, that's not exactly what we were looking for. On the other side, Justin Herbert, he disappointed really for the first time in a long time, 187 yards passing and two touchdowns. Luckily had that rushing touchdown to add to it. Uh, that put him over the top. 
and saved his week for a lot of us. I wanted to mention Savan Ahmed as well. 18 carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown caught a pass as well, guys. Is there any value to be had as far as dynasty owners are con- concerned with Ahmed? Because he he played well. He, he's got a little burst. He's got a little bit of wiggle. He's probably going to lose his job, though, here when, when everybody's healthy in Miami, though. I think we should be paying attention. Um, uh, I mean, he's clearly already uh, jumped ahead of of Jordan Howard, who was a healthy scratch today. Um, Matt Breda just just can't stay healthy, unfortunately. And and Miles Gaskin was was certainly a surprise uh, at the beginning of the season, but uh, I mean, he's he's not the uh, the long term starter there either. I don't think so. Uh, I think Ahmed could uh, could certainly at least be a part of a committee there, and and if he if you tell me he wins that job over over Gaskin for the rest of the season, that wouldn't be a surprise. No, I I think the more likely thing where he would have some value moving forward would be that he's part of the committee there. And, you know, maybe he gets a 50% role and the other couple of guys there, get, you know, split the rest of it. Uh, and, and man, I just don't know if there's a whole lot there. He's probably one of those pieces that gets picked up off the waiver wire and dynasty owners will be trying to move if they can, but getting anything more than a third round pick at any point would probably, probably be a stretch. Let's talk about the Steelers and the Bengals. This was another blowout. Steelers come out on top 36-10. to Roethlisberger threw four touchdown passes. Deontay Johnson was great, 6 for 116 in a score. Juju did his thing too as well. Uh, nine catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. And then Chase Claypool once again comes through. Just four catches for 56 yards, but two of them came in the end zone. So he came, comes through big time. It was probably the disappointment at by James Con- Connor once again, though, Matt. He has 13 carries for 36 yards, just two catches. Last week in a great matchup as well, nine carries for 22 yards and negative receiving yards. James Connor is a huge disappointment over the last couple of weeks. He's he's not good. I mean, this was the perfect this was the perfect game for him, right? They were up 29 to 7 after the third quarter. Uh why 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 isn't James Conner just riding out the clock? Why isn't he riding out the game? He's not picking up these yards, 13 carries, 36 yards like you said. Uh 3 yards a carry. He is still dominating the the touches there in the backfield, 13 for him, three, only 3 for Benny Snell. Uh nobody else got more than 2 and that was Claypool. Um but this is a passing team, right? They have all of these receiver weapons that you just talked about and why would they go away from that, right? So Conner, he does have an okay schedule coming up. The, the Jaguars coming up, the Bills uh, the Bengals uh, uh, in, in week 15, although he he just had a bad game against the Bengals, right? So uh, I think it's time for us to move on if we can. Uh, going in the trade finder again, a second, a fourth, and, and Pollard, uh, any uh, just just one, a single second any time. Uh, I would take either of those. Any any second round pick, I think I'm ready to cash out on on James Conner. And then uh, some head scratchers just to throw in here at the end. Uh, just a few days ago, Cortland Sutton straight up for him. Uh, and Cam Akers straight up for him. So uh, you're probably not getting those prices. But if you can get a second-round pick, I'm okay getting out right now. The problem is most a lot of James Conner managers need James Conner to turn it around down the stretch, those that are trying to make the playoffs and, and make some noise in the fantasy playoffs, we're probably just hoping that Connor comes through, but I'm with you. If you can afford to lose him, trading him does not seem like the worst idea. 
Yeah, I think that I think trading him is a good idea. Uh, I agree with everything you guys have said, uh, but also agree with you, Dan, that uh, you're you're probably contending or or hopefully at least and and maybe are counting on him for for better games. Maybe even moving him for a guy like uh, a guy like Todd Gurley, who I think even with his production. Uh, probably has less dynasty value. Uh, maybe maybe that's the play for a contender. Matt, we got to write that on the calendar. <laughs> Ryan McDowell just suggested trading for Todd Gurley in the year 2020. I can't <laughs> believe I heard it. It's not the worst. <laughs> on the other side of things, I was just saying oh, maybe ahead. you can't even. You probably can't even get Naheem Hines after this week for for him. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness that the times are tough in that case <laughs> on the other side of things t higgins he did his thing seven catches 115 yards and a score we've talked a lot about t higgins ryan outside of him anything on the Bengals sideline that caught your eye in this game yeah i think the story that has been out there is that the Bengals will will continue to limit aj green's role and, and that's what we saw he did get five targets uh, on the day, didn't catch any of them, and Alden Tate uh, had had just a couple of catches. But I, I do think it's going to be Tate that is is going to be the beneficiary of uh, of AJ Green's. Uh, I guess I don't know uh, d- departure or or uh, just his role lessening in that offense. And uh, I wouldn't even say T Higgins is the main beneficiary because he's already well-established himself ahead of A.J. Green. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it, it's really a sad thing. Those of us have, that have jumped on the back of A.J. Green and he's carried us to dynasty titles in years past, it's it's just no fun watching these guys kind of dissipate a little bit and go away for, for our fantasy rosters. It seems to be what A.J. Green is doing. Hopefully he can turn it around at some point here, but it's probably not likely. How about the Rams? And the Seahawks, Rams come out on top 23-16. to 16. Josh Reynolds had a surprising day uh, to some. Eight catches, 94 yards on 10 targets. Meanwhile, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods catch five balls apiece. On the other side of things, Russell Wilson, 248 yards, no touchdown passes, and two interceptions. Also lost a fumble. Luckily had 60 rushing yards to save his fantasy day, at least to some extent, we're all getting used to Russell Wilson carrying us, and it just did not happen. Therefore, DK Metcalf, just two for 28 on four targets, and Tyler Lockett, five catches for 66 on nine targets. Russell Wilson, guys, that's back-to-back games with, with although he came through against the Bills for fantasy, there is reason to wonder what's going to happen with that Seahawks offense. Seven turnovers in the last two games games it would not be shocking if seattle starts slowing down the cooking if russ 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 doesn't get to cook quite as much in coming weeks because that coaching staff does not like turnovers pete carroll is not going to be okay with russ turning it over seven times it would not be shocking if they change their offensive philosophy even just slightly because of what's happened over the last couple weeks ryan what did you see in the rams backfield that caught your eye uh, it was still that three-man backfield, obviously with with Acres, Malcolm Brown, Cam Acres, Malcolm Brown, and Daryl Henderson. Uh, but at least Cam Acres led the backfield, led the team in in both carries and rushing yards. Ten rushes for thirty-eight yards. So not not quite the DeAndre Swift level of breakout, but I would say progress for Cam Acres. 
Yeah, uh, the other two running backs, Malcolm Brown, six carries for 33 and had the two touchdowns. If those are Akers' touchdown, this this conversation goes a lot differently, but Brown got those opportunities at the goal line. And then Henderson, seven for 28. He had a rushing touchdown as well. Why can't Cam Akers get those opportunities? Cam was not targeted in the passing game. Malcolm Brown had two targets and Henderson had one. The last game we need to talk about, guys, is the Saints. 27, 49ers, 13. Alvin Kamara, I mentioned it at the top. Eight carries for just 15 yards, but scored two short touchdowns and then caught his regular seven passes for 83. Scored again through the air. That should be the main story of this game, Ryan, but it's probably that Drew Brees missed the second half. It was it was talked about that maybe it was a rib injury. We're, we're worried about it. We're concerned. Michael Thomas... Two catches for 27 yards, that's a disappointment. But as far as this this offense goes, and, and it does go through Drew Brees, even though he's checked down Charlie, there's reason to be concerned. Yeah, there is. Uh, the report, the early report, and we'll know more uh, in, in the next couple of days, obviously, is that uh, Brees with a rib injury will need an MRI and, and X-rays um, early this coming week. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, I, I guess with, with this offense, if, if it's uh Jameis Winston going forward, even if it's just the next couple of weeks, I, I'm not too worried. I'm not worried about, t- about Michael Thomas. I'm not worried about Kamara or, or Jared Cook or anyone else. Um, I, I guess, I guess I would say I'm almost as confident as in Winston now as I am in Breeze. Yeah. It kind of feels that way, Matt. You watched the second half of that game. Jameis Winston was under center. Taysom Hill got mixed in as well. What are your thoughts about that Breeze quarterback or that Saints quarterback situation moving forward? Well, I thought it was interesting that Winston was the uh, you know the the preferred starter at the at the traditional quarterback position for the Saints, right? Taysom Hill obviously got a little bit more work than than uh, even usual, but I think they showed that Winston is is the true backup to Breeze, and he 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 should be the starter, I would think, uh, next week. So it makes me think like, what is his value in superflex leagues? I, I was buying him last off season, uh, you know, for second round picks, second and third here and there, uh, but now uh, if he you know if there's a chance that Breeze is going to miss time uh, and there's a chance that Winston is going to either be the starter in Saint, in uh, uh, New Orleans next next year or somewhere else. I, I am definitely a believer that he is going to be that. So if that's the case, what's the, what's the value now in Superflex drafts? Would you guys be willing to pay uh, like an early second, maybe even a late first for Winston at this point, uh, just as a speculative ad, or is that still too much for you? Yeah, we're not we're not sending any first round picks for Jameis Winston and, and his thirty interceptions for sure. <laughs> uh, I can I can see I, you know the blueprint for Winston is to do what Teddy Bridgewater did a year ago, right? Go in there, play well, uh, be efficient, not turn the football over, and turn that into a starting job a year from now. And if all that those things happen, there's some upside. But spending anything more than a late second seems pretty outrageous to me for to to acquire a guy like Jameis yeah I agree and and it's because of that it's it's that disconnect in uh the buyer price versus the seller price I don't think we'll see him get moved too much if you're in um if you're in a shallow league which is also super flex which shouldn't really exist but if, if that's your league and he's on the waiver wire obviously you're spending 
whatever it takes to get him. Yeah, you're maxing right. out in that. But the only thing that could change this conversation a little bit is if there's news early this coming week that Drew Brees could miss the rest of the season. Uh, having the quarterback in New Orleans that's throwing to those weapons, Kamara and, and Michael Thomas, is pretty valuable. So you might see a few more trades go down in those super flex leagues if some, if some news like that uh, comes out of New Orleans, but you know, for the most part, I, I think all of us remember the pick sixes and the thirty-plus turnovers that Winston did a year ago in Tampa Bay, and, and we'll all just cringe and walk away uh, to, if if the owner is floating him out there in trade talks. Uh, on the other side of things, Brandon Ayuk, he had a nice game, seven catches, seventy-five yards, and a score. And then Jordan Reed, he's gonna be useful down the stretch here, five catches, including a really, really nice one-handed one. That went for about eight yards, uh, 62 yards on the game. Jordan Reed could be, especially in tight end premium, a guy that we can plug into our lineups throughout, well, at least until he gets hurt next. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast, guys. Uh, for Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week. <laughs>